Now have a look, please, in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2. Would you turn there? Hopefully you bring your Bibles. Now listen, if you don't bring your Bibles, I don't always say it. I know we could put it on the screen. I don't put it on the screen on purpose. It's not that I can't, but I don't because I don't want to encourage people to be lazy. I want you to bring a Bible and you can get it on your laptop, your, your iPad, your phone, your paper Bible, however you want, but bring a Bible with you to church. Can you start doing that? I've been noticing some of you just stare at me and there's nothing in your hand. And I, I, think, I think an honor to Jesus would be to bring his word when you come to the house of God. So do that, okay? Uh, try to do that as often as you can and have a chapter 2 and verse 2, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain. In other words, too much complication is going to rob the anointing upon tables that he may run, run that reads it. So the purpose and that word run is actually the Hebrew word to rush. It means, I like, it means speedily. It means to break down. In other words, you run so fast, you break something down in front of you. That's what it means, to run speedily. It doesn't mean jog. Because, you know, technically, if somebody's jogging, you could say they were running because they're technically running, but they're not really. So that's why you understand the original root word of this, of this uh, English word translated uh, from the Hebrew is to rush, is to run speedily, is to break things down in front of you because you're just plowing right through it. That's the, Greek, that's the Hebrew picture of this word. I want you to notice that the purpose of the vision tailor is not to think about it, it's to run with it. Let me read it again. And the Lord answered me, write the vision and make it easy to understand that he may sleep that readeth it, that he may have a board meeting that readeth it, that he may think about it for when it's a convenient opportunity that readeth it, that he may walk that readeth it. Did you notice none of those things are mentioned? He said that the person that reads the vision may run. What was the purpose of the vision? It's to run. When a vision is given, people run. Now, on March the 1st, the Lord, I was praying. It was, a, no, not, I preached it on March 1st. That was a Sunday, uh, right before COVID started. But it was a, about a week or two before that I was a praying on a Saturday prayer meeting. We had a Saturday night prayer meeting. And I was praying. And in my spirit, I heard the Holy Ghost say, pray out Habakkuk 2. And I knew what he meant because more than, there's obviously lots of verses, but I knew that's the verse he was referring to. Uh, that, so I started praying out verse, chapter 2, verse 2. That, Lord, that the vision would become easy for people to understand and that they would run. The vision would become easy for them to understand and that they would run. They won't run if it's complicated. So, Lord, help me make it easy for them to understand and let them run. And as I was saying that, as I was saying that word run, I was just praying the scripture. But then out of my spirit, I heard these words, runners, 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 runners. He kept saying, repeating that word runners. And I I continued praying out that people would be runners with the vision. So sometimes when you pray, the Holy Ghost will give you an, a, an instruction. Pray out what he says. So I was praying out runners, Lord, runners, runners. The people would be runners. And then out of my spirit came another phrase. Yes, son, runners in Hebron. Yeah. And that's where that phrase came from. It came from God. It didn't come from me. I'm not smart enough to think about all these things. God said through the Holy Ghost, out of my spirit, connected to my mind, out of my mouth in a prayer meeting in late February, I'm looking for runners in Hebron, runners in Hebron, runners in Hebron. That means God is looking for people to take the vision and run with it. But I'm not in the mood. Well, you're out of the will of God then because God's in the mood. But I'm tired. Well, you're out of the will of God. God said you can run and he wants you to run. That means there's strength to run but I don't have the money. Release your faith. God will give you the money because that's part of running is giving what he says, serving where he says, forgiving where he says, showing up when he says, being hungry. 
This is part of running. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, go back, son, and talk about that again. Talk about being a runner in Hebron. That was March 1st. March the 8th, Prophet Randy Greer shows up. And he talks to us that whole week, if you remember. And he said, there's two things that are going to mark this year. It's going to be a year of spiritual warfare. And it's going to be a year of distraction. And oh, my Lord, how that has come to pass. This is a spiritual, it's not just about a virus, my brother and sister. There is so much going on. I don't, I've chosen not to educate myself because the, actually, because people were sending me stuff and, and thank you for sending me. I appreciate it because you're trying to keep me in the loop and I'm, and every now and then I turn on and I'd be listening to this and this and then on the YouTube, there's all these other people that they won't put on the main media and then Facebook pulls certain things because doctors are saying that that's garbage and that you need to do this and that's a conspiracy and there's so much. And I heard the Holy Ghost said, stop doing that. I'm not telling you to stop doing it. I'm telling that's what he said to me. He said, stop doing that. I said, but Lord, I kind of like to know what's going on. I kind of enjoy this. This person is attacking that person and this person says that. And now this doctor says masks are nonsense. And then this doctor says you have to wear them. And I, I said, Lord, this is, there's so much ping pong going on here. I said, it's kind of fun to listen to it. He said, it's going to hurt you. Don't stop, stop. It's going gonna, it's gonna to distract you from what I want you to focus on. And then he reminded me, I'm not telling you, you can't listen to the news. So don't take it too far. I'm just saying for me, you can get so worked up in it. And he said, he said, Reverend Randy told you what I said, that it would be a year where you would be tried. The devil would try to distract you. And if you try to focus on every little nuance of every little person's voice out there, it's a distraction. So he said, just, I'm not saying be ignorant, but just watch, watch, watch how much you're listening. Because it doesn't really matter what they say. I'm not getting coronavirus. I'm not. And you better start believing that too or you'll get it. <laughs> Reverend Greg sent me something that first week in March of a video of a guy going down the street in Jamaica with a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a flatbed truck with a blowhorn. And he was saying, and I don't, I don't know if I can say it the way he said it, but uh, this is more or less what he was saying. I don't think I can do it exactly as good as him. But he said, Wagwan, Wagwan. Go in the house now. Go, go and bathe. That's what he was saying. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not making it up. That's what he was saying. Go bathe. Oh, Corona gonna get you. Go bathe right now. Corona gonna get you. And, he's, and I'm watching this video and I'm laughing so hard because they're, they're scare tactic. They're going down the street telling people in their homes they better go wash or Corona gonna get them. Stay inside and wash. <laughs> and I thought, well, uh, I'll wash, but whether I wash or not, I'm not getting corona. I'm not. I'm just not. I'm not that concerned about what everybody thinks or says. I really don't care. It's not going to affect my quality of life. Now, it affects me being able to travel. It does affect me being able to go into restaurants until this week. Praise God, things starting to return to normal. But from that affects us. But I, it does, I, I, my finances aren't going to go down. In fact, they're going to go up. I just made that decision. You say, well, that's not possible. I know, but God does what's not possible. I'm not saying I'm doing it. He's doing it because I'm releasing my faith in him. I'm, I'm not going to get sick. I'm just not going to get sick. I'm just not going to. Not on anything. Forget a corona. I'm not going to get the flu. I'm not going to get anything. I'm just not because I've set my heart to it and, and I've got my faith hand out and I've taken hold of the healing power of Jesus and the health of God is working. So all these people with all their noise, at the end of the day, it doesn't really affect me. And be careful how much you listen because it could distract you from what God's asking you to do. Now, my wife's calling me just one second. Yes, honey, did you need to talk to me right now? I'm preaching. Hello? 
Yes, uh, it was a butt dial. Uh, <laughs> do you know what a butt dial is, Taylor? It's where your butt dials it and nobody's there. So we'll tell her, we'll let her watch on live stream that she, everybody saw her butt dial. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, listen, I know some, I've learned some things in marriage. I don't care what I'm doing. She calls, I answer. I'm afraid. All right. If she calls, I don't care what's going on. I answer. I answer. I said, I answer. Okay. This is good husband advice for some of you. He said, don't be distracted. And he said, thank you, Taylor. And he said, a year of spiritual warfare. Now, Taylor, you're throwing them off, brother. Now, the 15th, now he goes and he talks Wednesday night about Corona, which I thought was a waste of a sermon because I thought this is a Wuhan China deal. That's not coming to us. Oh my God, 72 hours later, we're locked down. I guess I missed it and he heard, he heard from God and he was telling us not to be afraid. But that first weekend, the 15th of March, which was right the Sunday right after it kind of happened, we had half the crowd here because some people, which, anyway, I won't go down that road. Jesus said, I can't beat you, so I won't. But, 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 but for you to hear about a virus and not come to church shows me where your faith's at. Anyway, so on the 15th of March, I, I was preaching to a half crowd about running in Hebron, and I didn't get that message done, but I said these words, and I want to repeat them. Anytime you see somebody obeying what God told them to do, they're running with the vision. Because when God tells you to do something, that is a vision. When God tells the pastor who tells the congregation, God may not have told you, but he told the person you were submitted to, he asked you to do something, then you're, if you're going to obey that, you are a runner. Obedience is running. Taking ownership of the vision is running. When I say, uh, listen guys, I, 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 I want us to please make an effort to watch live stream. Everybody did that. Well, almost everybody did that. That means they, they ran. By you tuning in instead of coming in person, you were running with the vision. Congratulations. When I said, please, just because you're not here, please still tithe and give. We still have a budget. You did it consistently, without fail, even though many of you might have had to do it really in faith because you were afraid for what your future may hold, but you honored God. You ran in Hebron. We're asking, we haven't had it yet, but we're asking for the building fund. I know by faith that you will do it because you're runners in Hebron. When you do what God asks you to do and you do it with all your heart, when you do it with half your heart, you're walking, but when you do it with all your heart, you're running. That's really what running is. Running is just simply obeying, fulfilling the vision. You run with the vision. What does that mean? How do you run with it? You do it. You do what God has asked you to do as a church and as an individual person. So this is what running is. It's when you're obeying. Running is when you run, you're not just doing it half. You're doing it full. You're being consumed. You're taking ownership of it. A real run, when you look at a runner, they're all in. They're not just half-heartedly doing the vision. They are doing the vision with everything they've got. That's what God's looking for. He said, son, that's what it's for this season. You've entered into Hebron. I tell the people I expect them to run. I don't want them just to walk. They might have walked last year, but this is not a year to walk. This is a year to run. And you're saying, but look at all these problems. Look at all the challenges. Yes, look at all the distractions. Yes, look at all the spiritual warfare. Look at how the devil's trying to stop. Yes, but he knew all of that before he said, run. We didn't even know that because he said it in late February, run. He knew what was about to happen two weeks later and he didn't say, well, because of that, I won't tell them to run. There's a lot on them, a lot of pressure on them. I'll just have them walk. No, he said, he knew what's coming and he still said, run, run. I want you to run. I want you to give yourself to this. 
So I, I'm not talking too specifically right now. I'm just saying in general, when the vision is cast, we run with it. Amen? Amen. Let me give you an example. I'll give you scriptures, but I'm not looking them up for sake of time. First Samuel 17 and verse 48 to 51. Da- David ran with the vision that Saul had to kill Goliath. Remember he ran, that was 1 Samuel 17, verse 48 and onwards. Remember David, he saw the giant and he what? The Bible says he ran toward him. There was a vision that he saw. I don't mean just an open vision. I mean the vision was victory. The vision was kill the giant. That was a vision from Saul, his leader, and that was a vision from God. And what did he do? He gave himself fully to it. And what did he do? He accomplished it. What about, again, I'm not reading it for sake of time, but Luke 10, 17, Jesus says to the disciples, go out two by two, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, freely you've received, freely give. What did they do? Did they kind of half do it? They gave themselves to it. They ran with the vision that their master gave them and they came back and they said, it works. The devils are subject to us. We've done exactly what you said and it worked. You see, God expected the people when they got the vision to run with it. They did. And what happened? There was success. What about the early church in Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and onward? They said, Lord, grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may preach your word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, that signs and wonders be done in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. They, God gave them a vision and what did they do? They ran with it and they started preaching boldly, healing boldly, and God added to the church many, Bible says, multitudes. So there was a vision, bold preaching, signs and wonders, and what did they do? They ran with it. These are all very simple. I know you know them, but I'm just saying they ran with it. Now have a look. Let's actually read this one, Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Acts chapter 2 if you would be so gracious with me, and verse 41. And it says these words. And they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Gladly received the word. Now, there are 12 statements listed here, and all of it is vision. And all of it the apostles were doing with all their hearts. They were doing the vision with all their hearts, which means what? They were running with the vision. When we run with what God has put in the heart at Promise of Life, my heart for this church, when you run with it, you are being a runner in Hebron. When you work, when you fulfill the call, when you come to pray, when you pray at home, when nobody sees, God sees this is a runner. They're giving themselves to it. Do you understand? God is saying, listen, I'm not saying that all of you are. I want all of you to be. There's a potential for all of you to be. I know statistics, not everybody. We don't normally have 100%, but God still is asking everybody, would you run with the vision? My job is just to communicate to you what God says. And he said, son, remind them of what you said March 1st and and 15th. Remind them that I asked them to run with this. They need to be reminded. So that obviously means, Reverend Taylor, that some people maybe have started running, but they, maybe they've slowed their pace. That's right. They need to be reminded to run, not to walk. Yeah. Now have a look with me, if you wouldn't mind, at, the, at our 12 pillars. Now this is the vision that they had, the word and doctrine. They gladly received the word. Now I'll read you verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. There it is, 41 and 42. Uh, that's part of the vision, to be happy with the word. Did you notice the first thing is mentioned? The Word. Nothing else, the Word. The Word is why we come. And continuing steadfastly in doctrine, not feelings, doctrine. Number two, this is part of the vision, fellowship and discipleship. Fellowship and breaking of bread from house to house, chapter 42 and 46. 
So that's part of the vision of the church that you need to run with is that there is a fellowshipping with each other. Not just in church. It's okay to invite each other out. It's okay to go to each other's homes. Not to try to be weird and have prophecy seminars and all this nonsense, but just to talk about Jesus, pray with each other, encourage each other, love each other. If the Holy Ghost gets to moving, that's fine. But spontaneously, just loving and fellowshipping with each other over food. That's part of the vision. In other people's homes, not just in the church building. It's part of the vision. Some of you, you, you need to ask yourself, when's the last time I invited somebody to my home? Because if you haven't invited anybody to your home in years, you're not running with the vision. But I don't like my home. Well then, invite somebody to a coffee shop. If you're not fellowshipping with people and loving with them over food and encouraging them, you're not running with the vision. So everybody, you think it's just about offerings? No, it's actually about sitting with people over food. That's running with the vision. It's loving the word and receiving it and continuing steadfastly in the doctrine. Continuing, that means there's going to be a pressure to cast doctrine off. Like, well, I'm not going to tithe this week. But the doctrine is to tithe, so you obey God. Yes. See, these are running with the vision. Go to number three, quickly. And we see in prayers, verse 42. Prayers, praying at home, praying at church is running with the vision. The fear of God. Fear came upon every soul, not being afraid of God, but reverence yes. and honor for God. That's part of the vision. Yes. Number five, signs and wonders. Believing God and being willing for God even to use you personally, that signs and wonders be done. That's part of the vision. We have to run with that. Part of the way you run with signs and wonders is say, Father, I'm open if you want to do a miracle through me. If you want me to lay hands on somebody, I will. And if, Lord, you don't want me to do, if you don't choose me for that, I'll just put my mouth and I'll just pray it out. I'll be in agreement that signs and wonders will be done. Especially after what God just showed us uh, last month about Dr. Dufresne and signs and wonders and the surge coming. And you're going you're to see some things. You're going to see some signs and wonders, son. We've got to keep that. That's not just a sermon that you forget about. That's a word from God that has to be repeated. Yes. You, you're going to see some things. You're just like that young man saw those, those chariots of fire with Elisha. You're going to see some things. My God, just like that king in Samaria from one day didn't have it. The next day there was an abundant surge. You're going to see some things. It's time for signs and wonders. You're going to see some things. See, just you running with the vision is saying that. I'm going to see some things. Promised life is going to see some things. We're going to see signs and wonders. It's part of our vision. It's in the Bible. It was part of the New Testament book of Acts vision, but it's also part of our vision. Number six, uh, the next one, they was giving. They shared their possessions and their goods, verse 44 and 45. So that means that if you don't have enough money, but you've got some jewelry and it's sitting there that you haven't used or looked at in 40 years, maybe go, if God, if God tells you, I'm not telling you to do it, but part of running with the giving vision when we're asking for the building fund is go sell the jewelry. It's, it's, it's just sitting there. It's not doing anything. Some people have land. The Bible says the people that had land, they sold the land and they brought the money and they said, come, apostle, do what, you, do what the kingdom of God requires with this. Yeah. See, running with the vision isn't just putting a toonie. It's, it's committing. It's sacrificial giving. It's even thinking outside the box kind of giving. Yeah, what about faithfulness? Continuing daily, daily, daily faithfulness. Just showing up is <laughs> running with the vision. In one accord and singleness of heart, unity. That means when somebody talks to you about somebody else in the congregation, gently but firmly say, stop that. Yes. I'm a runner. And you're, what you're doing right now, you're trying to make me into a walker. Yes. I'm a runner. I don't talk about people. I don't care what they wore. I don't care what they said to you in the bathroom. That's between them and you. Don't pollute me with your garbage. I love them and I love you and I'm going to go home and pray for you. 
See, that's that action of staying one in unity is part of running with the vision. Next one, number nine, is uh, we've got joy, gladness. Speaks about them having gladness and joy. That's part of the vision. Praise and worship. Worshiping God, not just here, but at home. That's part of the vision. Favor. They actually specified that they had favor with God and man. That means God expects us to have favor. That means that your boss, you should, with your job and boss, you should have favor. Everywhere you go, that's part of the vision. We're running with it. And of course, I preached a couple weeks ago, soul winning. The Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. And I challenge you all in the next year, that's what the Lord, I heard the Lord say, challenge them in the next year to release their faith, to just start to say. They don't have to start to witness right away. They just start to speak, just start to confess. Lord, I thank you that you crossed my path with somebody that I'm going to witness. They're going to not just become a convert, they're going to become a disciple and they're going to be planted at promise of life. I'm going to be responsible for somebody, just one person being planted in the next 12 months. There might be 12 people that come by and only the 13th one gets planted. Don't be discouraged. You may not even witness anybody for the first six months. Just keep saying it and keep praying it and God will give you the words when the time comes. But you see, that's part of the vision. Do you see that? Anytime you see a vision and you're doing the vision, what is that called? You're running. So the vision has to be clear and simple and plain, like Habakkuk 2 says, otherwise people can't run with it. Praise God. So our vision is simple. Now, uh, the, Lord, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, son, this vision statement is too complicated. Nobody can even remember it. If I would ask even the staff sometimes with a vision statement, they just look at me with a blank look. And we have it on the wall there. All they have to do is turn around and read the wall, but they didn't realize it was on the wall. So I'm just, I'm simplifying the vision statement. The vision statement, very simply, is ministering the revelation of the word in the power of the spirit. It's very simple. Now that's not our mission statement. The mission statement is many other things that we do to accomplish that. But the vision statement is, I just want people to remember very simply, we're a word and spirit church. If you come and if you tell people, we're believing for revelation to flow. Because without revelation, you don't have anything. You don't have faith. You don't have victory. You don't have anything. But remember, God told Dad Hagen, what is important is that you minister in the power of the Spirit. So it's not just about the revelation of the Word. It's about the anointing and power of the Spirit that flows with us. The Lord said, don't put strength in there. Put revelation. Because what, what you're preaching must become revelation to the people. You're not just preaching strong. You're preaching revelation. And that with the power of the Spirit. You see, remember the rock in the fire? Remember that? Do you even know that's our logo? Are you all of you awake? Do you remember that? Do we have a picture of the logo, Peter? Is it the right logo? Maybe you could try to put, put the hat up. The hat has the logo on it. I don't care. Just put the logo up. See, he's not prepared for this, so he's working his best now. But remember, we got a picture of that very simple logo with a rock and fire. What is the rock? What story was that from? Oh my goodness, some of you got it right. I'm so encouraged. Remember, he put the offering there and Jesus touched the rock with his staff and the rock had the offering on it, but out of the midst of the rock, fire came. See, he can't find the logo, so he put on the hat. And that's okay. It accomplished the same goal and we're, and we're advertising the hats. We're killing two birds with one stone, Lorraine. Do you see that little rock and that flame? Out of the rock came forth, out of the midst of the rock, from the middle of a rock, it's impossible, that's working of miracles, came a fire. Yeah. 
And out of Jesus is the Word made flesh. He's called in Corinthians the rock that followed them in the wilderness. Jesus, the Word, is the solid rock upon which we stand. And as we teach the doctrine of the Bible under Revelation, the Holy Ghost comes from within that and fire comes and he takes that Word and he makes it alive to you. And the fire comes from with, within the Word of God and it quickens the person. Now they don't just get the Bible they don't just get the Bible, they get the revelation of the Bible. And then the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is powerful. He doesn't just produce revelation into the word, Bev. He also confirms the word with signs following. So that fire doesn't just illuminate the rock, but it also confirms with miracles. This is our vision. We want to be a word and spirit church. We want to be able to come in and get revelation. And we want the miracle signs and wonders of God to confirm that revelation so that when they go out, they say, Pastor, this works. I laid hands on my daughter and she got healed. The other church told me to accept God's will. But this church told me to cast the devil out and I cast the devil out and she's free. I heard the word. Revelation came and then signs confirmed it. I'm living the Bible. See, they're running with the vision. There's many, there's much vision. There's the big picture vision, which is our logo and our vision statement. And then there's much particular vision, like the 12 pillars that God wants you to be running with. If you're following what God is asking the church to do, you're running with it. Now, have a look at Hebrews 12. You sure you're okay? Hebrews chapter 12. I want you to remember a couple things that are important about running. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Because in heaven, they, they, they watch us. They know what we're doing. Praise God, they're cheering us on, happy. Amen. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. So not everything that you're doing is sinful. Just some of it is unproductive. And let us run with patience, the race that is set before us. Run with patience. Did you see that, Sandy? When we're running in Hebron, we have to mix our running with patience because what are we doing? We're saying, Father, you set a vision. It will surely come to pass. But if you read Habakkuk 2, 3, which I didn't read to you, but you can read it later, it says, and if the vision tarry, wait for it. If the vision tarry, Habakkuk 2, 3, wait for it. For surely it will come to pass. Amen. Did you notice that in Habakkuk 2, verse 2 to 3, it says, run with the vision, but there could be a bit of a delay. So when you're running, just wait, it will come. Now you see Habakkuk 2, 2 to 3 matches perfectly Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. He says, run with the vision, run with patience. Because I'm setting a vision before you, and as you run, it's not all going to happen at the time you snap your finger. But I want you to run and add patience with your running, because if you will just not quit, the vision will surely come to pass. You say, but how do I run with patience? Well, verse chapter 2 tells you. Chapter 12, verse 2 tells you. Looking, how do you do it? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He started it, he ends it. Who for the joy that was set before him, he ran with the vision, enduring the cross, despising the shame, and finished his race, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Jesus fulfilled his race. He ran his race. If we're going to fulfill ours, you've got to keep your eyes on him. Don't look at people that let you down and then stumble. Don't look at the, the, the church is imperfect in certain areas and stumble. Say, Father, you planted me here. The pastor's got a vision from you. I'm running with it. And Lord, it's not all going to happen overnight, so I'm patient. I'm going to wait. It will surely come to pass. But as I'm waiting and as I'm running and as I'm being faithful, I keep my eyes on you. I keep my eyes on on you. Jesus, I'm doing this for you. Not Pastor Craig. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. The reason I'm running with the vision you gave him is because I'm doing it for you. Then you won't get tired. Then you won't get offended because you'll know the reason you're cleaning the toilets, which is running with the vision. And you're giving all of your heart to those toilets. Because you're keeping your eye. I'm not doing this for him. I do love the pastor. And like the Bible says in Corinthians, I'm addicted to serving the saints. I want to help the congregation. I want to help the pastor. I want to do a good job and have the, the bathrooms clean. But you know the real reason I'm running with this vision of ministry of helps? And I'm giving, see, if you're just half-heartedly, you're walking. But if you do those toilets to the best of your ability, you are running with the vision. You are pleasing the Lord. But you better keep your eye on Jesus because then somebody gives you a little snide comment and you go, why should I do the bathrooms when you treat me like that? I walked out, the staff didn't even say thank you. But if you're doing it for Jesus, maybe they're busy working. Maybe they forgot to say thank you. Maybe it's not their job to say thank you. Maybe it's your job to not be so prickly. Maybe you should be doing it for Jesus because he's thanking you. But see, if you just give half-heartedly in the building fund, you're walking. But if you give all your heart what God says in faith and you believe, you've run with the vision. And when somebody offends you and you're hurt inside and you're bruised inside and you just want to hurt them back, but you say, no, I will forgive. I will do it by faith without feelings attached. And you forgive with all your heart. You've run. Do you see the difference? Hallelujah. Amen. So when we're running, keep your eyes on Jesus. What about Philippians chapter three? Turn there with me. Philippians chapter three. Just giving you a couple of verses here. He wants us to run with all our hearts. He wants us to be patient and keep our eyes on Jesus. Or we'll stumble in our running. And then what's the next one? Philippians chapter 3. Just two verses about running. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward unto those which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He is using the imagery of a runner in this scripture. Paul uses imagery of soldiers. He uses imagery of farmers and he uses imagery of runners and also of buildings, construction. He uses much imagery in his epistles. This is an imagery of running because in those days, that's where Olympic games came from was the Greeks and he was working with the Greeks and he saw the Olympic games in real life and he saw them running and he saw the prize that they would get that, that, that green wreath thing on their head. And he said, well, look at how they press toward that. Now the word press means to give yourself to it. So when you are running, this is the analogy, a runner, you are pressing. In other words, you're not. That's not running. Pressing means you are running with all your heart. You are giving yourself to the run. Are you with me? So what is number one? We need to run. 
Number, but when we run, make sure we add patience because it's not all going to happen instantly and make sure you keep your eyes on Jesus. What's number two? When you run, give yourself to the run. If you're going to do the bathroom, do it to the best of your ability. I said to Jenny, if you're going to make Peter Rabbit carrot soup, which is amazing and everybody's going to buy, there's not that much. So you, the first few people back there better hurry. You better run. If you're going to make it, Jenny, make it with all your heart. And she said, I will. And I said, good. I said, Taylor, if you're going to go to the zoo, do it with all your heart. Make the monkey sounds to the children while you're there. I said, if you're going to have a lock and do it with all your heart and you don't go to sleep either. And he didn't. I said, Lorraine, if you're going to do a bookstore, do it with all your heart. I want it to look nice. And she said, give me money. And I said, okay. <laughs> That's right. That's right. My wife, I said, Jenny, if you're going to cook, do it with all your heart for me. She said, buy me another fridge, uh, fridge and freezer. I have nowhere to store the ingredients. And I did. And we have it in the basement. It's packed with ingredients. And she does it with all her heart for me. And I respond in kind. And I eat with all my heart for her. Amen. Amen. In other words, go big or go home. Seriously, that's what God is saying with the vision, go big or go home. God is not interested in people that are half-hearted. He wants the runners to press and do it with all. Give yourself to it. Are you listening? I'm trying to help you. Now, let me go with this. Praise God. No, I'm, I'm helping you. Well, I think I am. I was... This is where I really need to get to. I was meditating, praying, running, 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 giving yourself, pressing, being patient, keeping your eyes, but then giving yourself. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, son, let's, I heard what he, this is what he said to me. And then, of course, he just said one sentence, Lorraine, and then I have to, I have to, that's the skeletal structure. I have to add meat to the bone now, doctrinally and scripturally. Sometimes he'll just give me one, and then he expects me to add everything to it. But he just said one little phrase to me. He said, running is hot being hot. Running is being hot. Yeah. I thought about that. Yeah. So have a look at Revelations 3.16 with me. Revelations chapter 3.16. Running, that's what I heard him say, running is being hot. In other words, he's giving me another little, another little part to understand of what he means when he says running. Because remember, pressing means to give yourself fully to it. So when you're running, you're not just walking, you're not jogging, you're not lying down, you're not taking a rest, you're exerting great energy. Now it says here, verse 15, let's look at verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the Amen. Jesus is called the Amen. Ha, I love it. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, thou art neither hot nor cold. I would that you were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. What is God saying? If you're running, you're hot. If you're walking, you're cold. If you're jogging, you're lukewarm. I don't want you cold and I don't want you lukewarm. I want you hot. Hot means stir yourself up. Remember that, that says, it says that in the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 6, stir up the gift of God, stir, stoke your fire. Get yourself stirred up in the spirit by praying in the Holy Ghost and waiting on God because God doesn't want you half-hearted. He wants you hot. Yeah. Amen. Amen. 
So I, I started studying that Reverend Sandy and, uh, and then he showed me something marvelous that I, that is a little, it's, it's not what I would normally preach to you, but I just heard the Holy Ghost say, go and study a little bit about this Laodicean people business stuff. So I, I just started studying. Now, you know, there's seven churches listed in, in Revelation. Now, let me tell you, theologically, there's two interpretations of this and both are right. The main theological interpretation of the seven churches is that there are seven sections of church history from the time of the apostles to the time of the rapture. And that the different churches from the time Jesus was, you know, went up after Pentecost until the time we go up in like manner, that those, those raptures, Jesus' rapture and our rapture is the church age. And that in that period of about 2,000 years, there are seven sections of church history and they all represent the, they all represent the seven churches of Revelation exactly. So that's true. Then, of course, and this, the secondary and sub-theological argument, which is also true, is that the last day church right now, the last day church since this was given in Revelation, which was a message for the last days, the last day church has the elements of all seven churches in it. And if you look at that, if you look at the church right now, we're in the last of the last days. You can see all elements of each of the seven in the church right now. Yeah. But if you look at history, you can also see periods of time that each church had a period of time. So I, I did not a very good, not a very good picture because I didn't have time to do a professional picture take. But let me just show you very quickly what they are. So go ahead. I'm talking about the history time now. So this is the church at Ephesus. It means desirable. The church was the, as it is in the apostolic beginning. Okay, it goes on. I don't want to read all of it. Thus the church walked in separation from the world. This was God's desirable action. He reproved them, however, for leaving their first love. So we see the apostolic church at the time the Bible was written. They are the Ephesus church in history. And of course, today as well, God is often telling us, don't leave your first love. So it applies to us too, but that was a time in history. Go to the next one. The next one was the church at Smyrna. Now this is about AD 160. And it actually means bitter. That word bitter, it means where you get myrrh from. Myrrh was crushed to get the fragrance out. They gave Jesus frankincense, uh, gold and myrrh because it was a prophetic that he would be crushed for the, for the life of God to come out and save the world. And this word Smyrna means myrrh. It speaks of the persecution. And you know, under those Roman emperors, they would feed them to the lions and kill them on mass slaughter. And there was great myrrh in the church at that time. This is the 160 AD section. Now this applies to us today. There's persecution. There's going to be more persecution. Now we'll go to the next one. The third one is the church at uh, Pergamos. And this means mixed marriage or an elevation. This is around 313. Constantine comes, declares religion a state religion. And there was, while they were the persecution stopped, they became a mixed marriage. Now you've got carnality and ungodly behavior mixing with the church. And that's really where the Catholic church came from. And now it's watered down in an apostate church. There was an elevation that happened in terms of the church was elevated above persecution like the ark above the judgment, but there was still a mixture that came that hurt the church. And we see that happening today with the seeker sensitive doctrine. It's a mixture. It's the flesh church. Do you see that? Now go to the next one. The fourth church we see in Revelation is Thyatria, which is, this represents the, the dark ages. And, and simply it means... 
the assembly as the son of God, uh, foreseeing the rapid rise of Romanism, our Lord would have successive generations know that he alone is supreme in his final judgment, that in his foreknowledge, the sad condition of the church at Thyatria was prophetic of that period of church history to be recorded as the dark ages. This was a, the Thyatria church was a darkened church, no revelation. And in the dark ages, there was many hundreds of years with no revelation light. And we even see the church falling from the mixed marriage church into a darkened church today. So you can see it applies to both. Are you with me still? The next one, what what is that, number five now? Sardis. This name really means uh, escaping ones. It's it's amazing what these words mean. A.D. 1517, we've got Martin Luther that that does the the 95 thesis to the door. I've been right there. I've touched the door where he nailed it, the original beam. Take pictures there. When I I went there in 2017 for the 500-year anniversary, this is where he escaped the Catholicism and the Roman influence. And he started to say, no, it's by faith. You must be born again. They weren't even teaching being born again. You see, so he escaped out of this. And this, this represents a time in churches. So you can see him there nailing the 95 Thesis to the door of the cathedral. But it also represents time to us because there are people that are getting tired and fed up with this weak doctrine and these weak uh, party services with secular music. And they want something more. They're looking for faith. We see it's the real, it's coming, it's starting. So we see it happening today, but that was a time in church history. What about the next one? The Philadelphia church, the sixth church mentioned in the book of Revelation. It means brotherly love. This is the great reformation that started there in 1750. And you can read the great reformers and revivalists and how there was an, the dark ages had ended now. And now they're, and, and not just the just shall live by faith, which was born again, but now it's en masse. This is world evangelism. This is, this is where there is an openness and the love of God shines into people's hearts. And we see that, and I believe that is a picture of the church today as well. An increase of preaching the gospel like never before. But now we see the final church. Go to the next one. The final church is Laodicea. And I just read it to you from Revelations, but it's the final church listed. This church from the first measure of of theology represents me and you. No other church represents us fully as the Laodicean church does. Because in church history, we are the Laodicean time frame. Do you understand? These are the end days church. This is us, Pastor Happy. This is us. Now, of course, in the other way of looking at it, all seven you can see in the church today. Of course, Laodicean would not be an exception. What does the Laodicean mean? Means the rule or will of the people. Christ addresses himself as the amen. I just read that to you. Confirming all that he had commanded John to write, finding nothing but self. What he found in the church was self-satisfaction and material riches. And our Lord reminds them of their spiritual poverty and his disappointment with the forceful words, because thou art lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, Reverend Taylor, when I studied this, I heard the Holy Ghost say, son, yes, all seven represent the church today, but this Laodicean church is the Eomar church of your generation. Pay attention to what I said to them. There was an emphasis on self, And there was an emphasis on money. But they had lost that fire. They were no longer hot. They were no longer running. They are walking. 
they are half backslidden and they don't even know it. And I told the Laodiceans, you're not hot, I'll get rid of you. Now, you see, that message doesn't go with the secret sensitive, everybody loves you, you can live however you want message in many churches today. But it doesn't matter what the many churches today are preaching. It matters what the Bible says. And the Bible says that we are the Laodicean church. This is the age physically in the time of heaven. For us, the church at the end days of the rapture is called the Laodicean church, which means it's a church that is marked by selfishness. And what did Paul say? In the end days, people will be lovers of self. Everybody's got a selfie stick. There's nothing wrong with doing selfies, but I'm saying the whole generation, Christian and not, is obsessed with self. Self. Know what I'm doing. Let me show you my Instagram feed. Everything is me. Seriously. Look at how many commercials there. What car you drive represents you. All the makeup. There's nothing wrong. Listen, Barney's painting, please, for God's sake, paint it. Put your makeup on. But you see, there's such an obsession with how I look. Everything is self. Everything is, if it's not about what you look like, it's about making money. Money, 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 money. And you see, what? Now, God doesn't mind us being prosperous. Doesn't mind us taking care of ourselves from a, from a normal balanced perspective, Taylor. What God, what God is saying, I'm trying to teach you something. God is says, in the last days, there's a church that I call the Laodicean church. And they are marked by selfishness and greed. Yeah. What I'm looking for them, what I'm looking from them is a hot fire for me. I don't mind them taking care of themselves to a measure and I don't mind them being rich. Because Abraham was rich and the blessing of Abraham is on them anyway. But I don't want them covetous. I don't want them everything about their after money. I don't want everything about me. I want them to be hot and on fire for my kingdom. I don't want them to walk. I want them to run. I don't want them to be lukewarm. I want them to be hot. I want them to give themselves, press toward the mark. I want them to give themselves to the vision of the local church. And the Lord reminded me and said, son, this is a marker of this generation is lukewarmness. Tell the congregation they're going to have to fight Fight against the spirit of the world that would try to get in the local church to try to make us lukewarm. Are you with me? There is a constant attack to try to get you to be lukewarm. Why? Because you were born at this time. Tough luck. You were, if you were born a thousand years ago, you would, have had a, you would have had a totally different thing. If you were born 600 years ago and you preached, you'd be burned at the stake. Tough luck. You were born then. I'm glad I was born here, not then. If I was born in the, in the 300s, 200s, 300s, I'd be maybe getting eaten by a lion or running for my life. Tough luck, that's when I was born. I was part of that church. You can't change the date you were born. You can't change the generation you were born into. You just are. But God in his foreknowledge planned you and picked you for that time. God has planned us as the last day church. It was not coincidence that you were born. It's not coincidence that you're saved. And it's not coincidence that he planted you here because he had a place for you to be planted in a garden called promise of life. And he's asking you, tell them, run. And he's telling us in the season that we're in globally, there is an earmark of selfishness and greed and lukewarm backsliddenness. The church must rise above that and fight that and say, I will be hot. I will run. I will follow the Bible and not the cultural trends of society. I will follow what the word says and not just what the biggest church pastor says. Because the biggest church now in New York has accepted homosexuality. <laughs> I'm telling you, you can't go by what other churches say, by what other pastors preach. You've got to go with the word. 
And if I ever get away from the word, you better run like your fat pants were on fire out of this church and never look back. You better not stay because of charisma or because you like this or you like that. We stay with the word. We stay with the word. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. If I don't follow him, don't follow me. It's a crying shame that when the man came out and I have compassion for him, but he's wrong. When the transgender pastor came out in Mississauga two weeks ago, I have compassion for him, but he's not doctrinally sound. It's a crying shame that 48% of the church thought it was okay. And only 52% said, we can't have you as our pastor anymore. And that one of the people that had been there over 20 years was so mad at the vote that they left because they accepted the transgender pastor as normal. So what does that tell me about the condition of that church's spiritual state? They are not just lukewarm, they are cold. <laughs> are, you, are you understanding what, I, what the Holy Ghost is saying through me to you? We are in a place, you've got to fight to stay hot. I had my hot tea, and then after I'd done the announcements of the thing, I came back during fellowship time to have one more swig before I preached. And that hot tea had now become something other than hot. And I remember, I, ugh, and I swallowed it. But that's what God says. You used to be hot, now you're lukewarm. I can't drink you. You gotta get out. We gotta fight, my brother and sister. We gotta fight. You gotta fight to stay hot, Sandy. We gotta teach our children. There is a pressure on society and on the demons that are in society to try to make you lukewarm. You've gotta fight against, you gotta push like a salmon against the stream and you gotta say, I will run, I will not walk. Practice on the little things, it'll help you on the big things. Practice when you do the bathroom, do it with all your heart. Practice when you pray. Give all your heart to God when you pray. Don't just be watching the TV and you're kind of distracted and you're on your game. Oh, yes, Lord, go to I'm tired. I think I've done enough. That's lukewarm. Turn everything off. Get down on your knees and cry out to God because you love him and you're hungry for him. Get open your hands and just begin to worship him and really worship him at home. Really worship him at home. Some of you, I know you don't worship at home because you don't worship here. If you don't worship here, I know you don't worship at home. Taylor can tell me all the people that don't worship at home because you stand there. If you come here and with all this, you can't worship, you're back sitting at home. I'm serious. You better wake up in the morning, lift your hands and start to worship the Lord and get spiritual and give your whole heart to it because that we're fighting against lukewarm. Let me, let me close with this. Let me close with this because it's 12 or two and I do need to close, but I got one more statement. Luke, I won't read it for the sake of time, but I'm quoting it. Luke 18, eight. He says, when I come to the earth, will I find faith? When he comes back, will he find faith? When he comes to rapture us, will he find faith? Didn't say, will he find wealth? Faith produces wealth. He didn't say, will he find all this stuff? He said, I'm looking for people to have faith. Now, let me tell you this, and I'll end with this because this is the clincher. This is the most important thing that I have to tell you today. Okay, it's very, very, very important. I've said all of that to kind of give you a base platform to launch from. But, I, but let me give you, this is one very particular example of being hot. One. There are thousands of examples. So I'm only picking one because the Lord highlighted one to me for this morning. And I've said many. I've said the toilets, that's one. Prayer, forgiveness, offerings, all of those are examples of being hot and running full heart with God. But he brought something to my attention and he said, I want you to share this particular thing this Sunday in addition to everything else you share. So there's a highlight on this statement I'm about to make. So are you all listening to me? The Holy Ghost needs you to hear this. Yeah. 
Because he was, and more than once, two, three times in the week, he said, make sure you don't run out of time. So I've been watching because I've got to have five minutes to share it with you. The Lord said these words to me this last week when I was praying. He said, son, you're doing a great job on teaching them how to get healed on their own. Because I teach you constantly. The eight C's is how you get healed on your own. The eight C's is how you get finances on your own. You claim it, you take it, tell the devil, take it, release the angels, praise them. You call those things, you cast your care. You don't consider your body and you do corresponding action. All of that is teaching you how you catch a fish. Right? It's better to teach somebody how to catch a fish than catch it for them. Right? Because then I don't, you're not a baby. You, you can do it in the middle of the night if you'll pay attention. I'm still available if you need help, but you can do it. I heard him say, you're doing a great job in teaching people how to get healed. He named healing particularly on their own. He said, but why is it? He asked me a question. He said, why is it that you have stopped preaching about you ministering to the sick? I said, well, Lord, we're in Corona season. I'm not allowed to minister to the sick. Now, I'm making my, because he wasn't mad, but he was distinct. He said, it is the highest and the best for them to get it on their own. Yes. He said, but don't ever let go this revelation that you need to teach the people that if they can't get it on their own, the man of God is available yeah. to help them get it through him. Amen. He was so, so specific on that. It is God's highest and best for you to get stuff on your own. Yeah. And I'm so used to just being convinced that everybody can get it on their own. That I come, sometimes forget the other side of the coin, but there is another side of the coin. And the Lord said to me, not everybody, they can, but not everybody will get it on their own. Because they're not, they haven't built themselves up to that measure yet. They're not, they're not, they're, they just, I won't say all the reasons why, because I don't want to hurt anybody, but there's reasons why people won't get it on their own. And I'm so, all, mainly 99% of the time preaching Get it on, you know, this is how you get it. Get it on your own. Stop being lazy. Get it on your own. This is what you say. This is what you do. But I have, I have not flipped the coin as often as I should have, Reverend Taylor, and said, and by the way, even though that's the highest and the best, if you can't get it on your own, at least, are you listening? Release your faith. Release your faith that if you can just get to church, that if you can just get to your man of God, you'll get it from him. And the Lord said, you have not been talking about that, son, and I expect you to talk about that more. Because while it is the highest and the best for them to get it on their own, not everybody will. And you need to offer them the backup, the secondary option, which is if you're not getting it on your own, but you can still, see that takes faith to get it on your own, but it takes lesser faith, but still faith for you to say, if I can get there. I put a demand on the anointing on his life. For whatever reason, I'm not getting it. But if I can get there, remember that man born of four? If I, I, I have to get there. I had to break up the roof. I break up the roof, but I have to get there. See, nothing stopped him. Obstacles, inconvenience didn't stop him. Now today, you know what's happening? And the Lord started giving me, Lorraine, I won't say names, but he started giving me examples. He brought this person's face up before me and I know what they're going through. And he said, you see, and he brought this person, and he said, you see? And he said, this person, and like a number of people in the congregation that are struggling with physical symptoms, sickness, he brought it up to me, and he said, now you see? And, and none of them, I don't know if they're doing it on their own, they can and they should, but I don't know if they are. Well, obviously they're not, otherwise God wouldn't have brought their face to me. But he said, now he said, but none of them have the attitude that if I can just get to church. 
if I can just get to church. You see, it's one thing to have the highest flow of faith, but if you can't or, whatever, or you won't or whatever the reason is, at least have the second level. The second level says, I may not be able to lay hold of it myself, but if I can get to somebody who knows how to lay hold of it, if I can get there, God will heal me. And we have lost this, Gloria. There are people in our church, there is the, the slightest bit of sickness, they don't even come for a month. Well, I'm just sick, I've got to stay home. And I'm looking at them and thinking, well, why can't you get it on your own? But then God is steering me away from that and saying, at that point, don't argue with them about why they can't get it on their own. They can't get it on their own for whatever the reason is, son. But when you know they can't get it on their own and they're struggling and they're not here, you need to tell them, where is your faith? If you may not be able to get on your own, and that's okay. Down the road, you will. I have great confidence in you. But right now, you can't. So don't stay home, and don't quit, and don't get depressed, and don't give up. Get it in your heart. I may not know how to get it, but my pastor does. And if I can just get there, if I can just get there, I'm going to get there. And when he lays hands on me, the fire of God's going to burn it out of me. And you have some kind of fire in you that's called being hot. Even with healing, people have become lukewarm. It's just, well, I'll just go to the doctor. Well, and you wouldn't miss the chemotherapy appointment for all the money in the world. But when I say come and meet me on Wednesday morning at 1135 in the, in the morning, because that's the only time I have, and I'll lay my hands on you, and the fire of God will burn it out of you. Oh, I'm busy. But in the chemotherapy appointment, oh, they're not busy for that. Why? Because they've got more faith in the medicine than they do in the power of God. And, and I think my, partly my fault is I'm not preaching. I'm not proclaiming the way I should have been. That's why he corrected me. You're not proclaiming the anointing is on you, son. The anointing to cast out devils is on you. The anointing to heal the sick is on you. That anointing, that fire that comes in your right hand, it's very real. I gave it to you. You, ha- you experience it, but you're not talking about it enough. And not all of them are going to get it. But if they'll know their pastor has an anointing on him, and I will get there. I don't care how weak. I don't care care how sick I don't care the symptoms I must get there you see if you've got that kind of a mm, that push press toward the prize run don't walk not well I don't know I'm a little that's walking that's jogging and the word of the Lord came to me this week and the Lord said if you start to preach it like you used to but you've got away from it. If you start to preach it like you used to, he said, I will come on you with such power. And he said, when you lay your hands on them, my fire will burn things out of people's bodies. He said, now don't you back off. You push forward on this. God wants his people healed. The best way is to get it on your own. But if you can't for whatever reason, or it's not manifesting fast enough, or for whatever reason, you're not make, connecting the dots. Instead of condemning yourself and going into depression and isolating yourself, look up, look up and say, my God is still with me. I may be learning all this stuff. It might not be working exactly the way it should right now. I won't put myself down. I will get to that house. If I have to break the roof, I'll break the roof, but I'm going to get there. And when he lays hands on me, I will be healed. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Did you notice? Sometimes he laid hands on people, Sandy, and his faith healed them. But if you look, most of the time we're in groups. Very rarely did he do that individually. He did, but rarely. Most of the time an individual person came to him. And he wasn't under the anointing for a healing service. Because that anointing will cover everybody in the healing service. But when when we have those healing service, the anointing will work beyond you almost. All you have to do is barely bring anything to the table. Just come to the front. 
The power of God will come on you. But when you, when I'm not flowing in that, and it's up to you to now make the effort, you better have faith. Because when people came and they didn't have faith, they weren't healed and Jesus didn't fail. But he said, if you believe that I'm anointed, that's why he constantly preached. Remember he said this was published, Acts chapter 10, verse 36 and 35. He was published in Decapolis and everywhere. He kept, why was it constantly published? Because he constantly preached it. We got scripture for that, but when Jesus appeared to Dad Hagen, he also told them, everywhere I went, the first sermon I preached was this. Now, you can't prove that in the Bible, but you can prove that Acts 10 says that he published everywhere. And what was the, what was the sermon? It was a sermon from Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to heal the sick. Basically, there's four categories there. He said, I'm going to preach the gospel. If you've got physical poverty, financial problems, come. The power of God will change that for you. If you've got demonic power, come, I'll cast it out of you. If you've got physical healing, come. Sickness, come, I'll physically heal you. If you've got emotional healing, come, I'll emotionally restore you. Four categories in Luke 4. Now, the summary of Luke 4, that thing where he preached his first sermon, which he preached everywhere the first time he ministered, the summary of that is found in Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. How God anointed. He constantly talked about, God has anointed me, I will heal you. God has anointed me, I will set you free. And the Lord said, Pastor Craig, he didn't call me Pastor Craig, he said, son, you, you've been doing a great job in teaching them how to get it on the but you're not preaching strong like you used to that the anointing is on you the anointing is on you and if you'll come the power of God will flow through me and heal you he said that's part of being hot that's part of pushing back against this culture of lethargy and just the sticky goo all the time of depression and listen you got to have hot faith if you can't get it, stop blaming yourself because the devil will try to get you into condemnation. Then you can't get it. And then, then no matter what happens, you can't get it. If you can't get it, if it's not working or if you're doing it, but it's not manifesting fast enough for you because you don't control the manifestation time, just get it in your heart. If I can get to the house of God where that corporate anointing is, I'll push through the pain. I'll drive through the night. I don't care if I don't get the seat I want. I don't care what singing they do that day. I'm going to get there. And he's going to lay, he's going to help me. He's going to pray for me. And when that power of God flows through him into me, I'm going to be healed. I don't care how long it's been. And I don't care how depressed, what the doctors say. When I get there, I'm going to get it. Now you see, that's faith. Now, if you come with that measure of faith, the power of God will heal you. If you come with, well, pastor, I don't really know. Just try. Is nothing going to work? And so after he dealt with me on that, he said, now everybody that emails in, calls in for healing, to pray for the IPT prayer team to heal them. You know what I'm saying. Everyone that calls the church and asking a prayer request for the IPT team to pray that God would heal them. He said, I want you to tell every one of those people personally, and I've been doing it this week, tell every one of those people personally, yeah, it's fine that we'll pray for you, but if you, if you will push through and get your, get your butt over here and stop making excuses about how much pain you're in. I know you're in pain, but you've got to have enough faith to say, if I can get there, the power of God will meet me. And I'm, I, don't care how, I don't care what I'm going through. I will get there because I really believe the power of God. But you've got to believe it. If you don't believe it, you won't come. But if you believe it, God will meet your faith, Tater. I'm telling you. He said, I'll anoint you, son. I'll anoint you and I'll, and I'll heal the people. So I want to encourage you today. We are runners. We are giving out all of our hearts. We have given ourselves to it. We are pressing. We are patient because it might take time. We're keeping our eyes. We're doing it with all of our hearts. We're not lukewarm. We're hot 
and we're not jogging, we're running. And that includes for our healing. Amen. Laying hold of it personally. And if that is taking too long or you're not understanding the concept or you're not getting it, saying, I will come and the power of God will meet me. One way or the other, I'm not leaving that church till I'm healed. You get that kind of fire in you? You get that kind of hot faith in you? I'm telling you, God will meet you. As I close, remember that lady that showed up in the, in the storm years ago? Wasn't a member of our church. I never saw her again. She heard us on the radio. She drove two hours in a storm, in a rainstorm, and she was blind. Was it blind or deaf? Deaf. And she, she was deaf in one ear, right? One ear. The other ear was fine. And she said, I, I don't care. And everything, go back, turn back. And she said, I don't care. I don't even know who that pastor is. She'd never met me. She'd never seen me. She'd heard me on the radio, but she heard message of faith. And she said, Father, I don't care what it, I don't care. I, I don't care if I get there at the last minute of the service. I am not quitting until I step in that church. And when I get there, the power of God is going to heal me. She came in late. She missed most of the worship. She sat in that section about halfway back. And as we were singing, I, we, I didn't even get the chance to preach. She just walked in. I'm talking five minutes of her walking in. See, her faith had laid hold. Yes. And her ear popped open during the worship time without anybody touching her. And she came up and told us afterward, I said to God, I'm not leaving that church till I'm healed. I don't care. I'm not leaving. See, I don't have to work with somebody when they're like that. Their faith, let it be unto them according to their faith. And God so honored that he didn't even let me lay hands on her. He blew her ear open during the worship. Because somebody decided I'm going to have it. That woman with the issue of blood said, they catch me, they'll stone me. I don't care. I'm going to be healed today. Blind Bartimaeus said, I'm going to throw away my garment. That gives me the legal right to beg. I may starve to death, but I don't care. I'm being healed today. When you kind of get that mm, to you, if you can't get it on your own or, or it's taking too long, you come and I will help you. And if you believe, and I believe, but it's the onus is on you, the power of God will meet you. Let's get hot in our faith. Let's run in Hebron, not jog. Let's do it with all of our heart. Praise God. Father, I bless them. I thank you for them today. I thank you that, Lord, I know that when I could tell the seed of that word in the last 10 minutes went into hungry hearts. There's no reason for anybody in this church to be sick. No reason whatsoever. The sickness is real. The devil is real. But the word of God and faith is even more real. And Father, if they'll do what I taught them to do, they'll get healing on their own. And if for whatever reason they're not connecting the dots, no condemnation, let them have enough faith to believe that if they can just get here in faith and let me lay my hands upon them or speak the word of God to them, as the case may be during the season, that either way, they're going to be healed. Let them rise in their hearts and in their faith for that. Lord, you desire every person in this church to walk healthy in their minds and in their bodies, but they've, according to their faith, be it unto them. I'm just delivering it, Father. How they take it and what they do with it is up to them. But you want everyone to be well. You want us to run with this because Laodicea is trying to pull us down into lukewarm Christianity and we have to fight and stay hot and stay running in Jesus' mighty name. I believe you'll honor us if we do, Father. I believe the vision will surge forward and their personal lives will surge forward because if they put you first, you will put them first. If they run with the vision of the local church, Father, you will make sure that their vision comes to pass. Their businesses prosper. Their health prospers. Their marriages and relationships prosper. Their children prosper. Oh, that they would walk like kings on the earth, Father a kingdom of kings and priests unto our God. I bless them, Father, and I thank you for them.